Welcome to Leading with Heart, your go-to resource for how to find happiness, peace, and true success amidst the high demands of military life. I'm Christina Madison, your host, coach, and personal cheerleader as we learn to take excellent care of ourselves, lead with heart, and together change the narrative around wellness in the military. So today's episode builds on what we talked about in last week's episode. Last week we talked about emotional awareness and emotional health. Today we're going to layer onto that where we take what we learned last time and start to build it into practical applications in order to cultivate emotional intelligence. So when we start to practice and cultivate emotional awareness, we're able to gather data points and connect those data points so that we can start to recognize patterns and trends. So in this episode, we're going to talk about translating that awareness into emotional intelligence and putting it into practice in applicable ways. We'll also talk about two skills that I'm going to give you a brief overview, active listening and nonviolent communication that will really help you in your journey towards building higher emotional IQ. So sit back, relax, maybe take some notes, and enjoy. So what is emotional intelligence? We've talked about this a little bit over the past couple of episodes, but in my mind, emotional intelligence is having an awareness and a tangible language around our experience of human emotion and feelings. So being able to actually name the emotions that we're feeling and have an awareness and understanding of them. So when we talk about self-awareness, I feel like this is the first step in emotional intelligence is firstly becoming aware of our emotions. Sometimes that's going to happen in the moment, but more often that might happen after the moment has passed. So one way that you can begin to improve your awareness of your own emotional experience is by keeping an emotions journal or an emotions log. This is a physical notebook or perhaps maybe even a note on your phone where you take some time to acknowledge an emotion that you're feeling in a particular moment. So maybe throughout the day, you notice that you're starting to feel frustrated. Taking a moment to log that in your emotions journal, and include some context around it. For example, I notice that I feel frustrated. Before I noticed the feeling of frustration, I was thinking about my to-do list and how much of it hasn't gotten done today because this, this, and this happened. I was late to work because of traffic. I was just sitting down to get something done when my kids started to go bananas. And so this feeling of frustration and the context around it is what led to you feeling frustrated and, you know, perhaps events of the day or inner dialogue or some sort of external trigger that led to you feeling frustrated. So once we start to notice our emotions, When we take this time to sit down and really ask ourselves, what am I feeling right now? What is this emotion? Let's see if I can name it. Let's see if I can identify it and create context around it. This repeated practice of noticing and observing our emotions will 
allow us to notice more in the moments of those emotions, to be able to feel our feelings more in the moment and and notice what's happening for us. Now, through the practice of this self-awareness, through the practice of this observation and noticing, we're going to start to gather data. We're going to gather data on the emotions that we feel regularly, the emotions that make us uncomfortable, the emotions that we tend to avoid maybe, and our go-to emotions in certain situations, maybe certain triggering situations, certain work situations, certain interactions you have with members of your family. So we're gathering data around our emotional experiences. And this is powerful because data allows us to begin to draw conclusions and make connections. So one thing I encourage you to do as you keep your emotions journal, initially just name the emotion and a little bit of context. Ask yourself, what am I feeling right now and what led to this feeling? When you have started to get better at that and started to develop that into somewhat of a habit, then you can start asking some deeper questions. There's three primary categories and questions that I'd like to offer to you to explore that particular emotion. The first question is our physiological response to this emotion. So ask yourself the question, what's physically happening in my body right now? What sensations am I experiencing? What do I notice about my breath? What do I feel in my gut? What areas of tension are beginning to develop? And also asking questions about your body language. What am I doing right now with my body? What am I doing right now with my face? Am I crossing my arms? Am I shoving my hands into my pockets? Am I backing up? Am I leaning forward? Getting curious about what's happening physically in your body when you're experiencing a particular type of emotion. So for example, let's say you're feeling defensive in a feedback session. You may notice that you're starting to feel hot around the collar. You may notice a clenching or a gripping in your belly. You may notice that you cross your arms and close your body off from the person giving you the feedback. And you may notice that you don't make eye contact anymore, that you look down or look away. These are physical observations of your body's response to feeling defensive. Next up, I want you to ask questions around the cognitive response. What thoughts are arising as a result of this emotion or what thoughts typically start to play when you're experiencing this particular emotion? What thought loops tend to be triggered from this particular emotion? What's the story? What's the belief? What's going on inside your head when you're experiencing this emotion? So let's say that the emotion is happiness. What's the internal dialogue saying? Let's say the emotion is shame. What's the internal dialogue saying? Like what's your inner critic speaking to you? What is happening cognitively when you're experiencing a particular emotion? And then finally, considering the behavioral response to a particular emotion. What are your go-to actions? What do you notice that you want to go do immediately or after a particular emotional experience? So maybe when you are angry, a go-to behavior is crying. 
Maybe a go-to behavior is calling your mom and venting. Maybe your go-to behavior is picking a fight with your significant other. What are your go-to behaviors when you experience a particular emotion? What behaviors do you actually like engage in as a result of the emotion? And what behaviors do you potentially engage in in an attempt to avoid feeling that emotion? So just to recap, first you start with emotional noticing, naming the emotion, writing down some context around it, and then starting to ask questions about your physical and physiological response, your cognitive response, and your behavioral response. Like I said before, as you start to develop this behavior or habit of emotion journaling, you're going to be gathering a lot of data about your emotional experience as a human. And this data gathering allows you to start to get the full picture of yourself. When we have a lot of data, we're able to start making connections, drawing conclusions, noticing patterns, noticing different ways the data connects. So as you repeat this over and over again, start to ask those critical thinking questions beyond just what am I feeling, what am I experiencing, but how do these connect? What are my go-to emotions when it comes to my relationships? How do I handle emotions in my interactions within my relationship? What are my emotional responses at work? What leads to those emotional responses? What is my relationship with emotions at work? Asking these questions that take it beyond the data and start to help you make those connections and bring deeper awareness to how you handle, react, and process emotions in the different areas and contexts of your life. And then also, when we start to gather this data, we're able to start shifting our go-to responses, our go-to behaviors. So when we notice our go-to behaviors in response to an emotion, those are the patterns, right? As we're noticing and observing, we start to notice the patterns. Okay, when I'm feeling this, I typically tend to do this. When this triggers me, I feel this, and then my go-to behavior is this, this, and this. When we start to notice those behavior patterns, we can decide which ones of those are which behavior patterns are helpful to us and which are unhelpful. Not all behavior patterns are unhelpful. You don't need to change every single one. For my empaths out there, when someone comes to you hurting and you experience that like that connection with them, that emotional relationship with them, like you feel their sorrow, you feel their grief, you feel their pain, if your go-to behavior is to show them empathy, that's not a bad behavior pattern. That's a good one. As long as, you know, it's, it's supportive to you and you're able to set boundaries around your energy and all that good stuff. But sometimes there are negative behavior patterns that are not supportive or helpful towards becoming the person that we want to become. Whether that's a more patient parent, whether that's a more mindful leader, whether that's a more understanding and communicative spouse, some of our behavior patterns are not going to support those aspirational identities. So how do we change them? When we're in the moment of those emotions, 
Let's use resentment, for example. We'll use like marriage and resentment and bitterness. If you're experiencing resentment because of unmet expectations in your marriage, well, then what are your go-to behaviors? Is it being snippy? Is it withdrawing? Is it withholding affection? Is it picking fights? Is it making passive-aggressive comments? What are those go-to behaviors when you're experiencing the emotion of bitterness or resentment because your needs aren't being met? Because you feel like there have been expectations that haven't been met. Okay, and, and this, is, this is when the rubber really meets the road, right? Because we start asking ourselves, is this really how I want to behave? Is this really the choice that I want to make in these types of situations? And if the answer is no, well, then our emotional intelligence allows us to recognize when these things are happening to recognize these behavior patterns as a response to an emotional experience and in the moment begin to make choices rather than defaulting to the old behavior pattern of snipping, picking fights, making unkind comments or withholding affection. Instead, we ask, what am I feeling right now? Oh, I notice that I'm feeling a little bit of resentment. Well, what's the context around this resentment? Well, my, my spouse just went on a TDY to Hawaii and I was with the kids the whole time. And when my spouse got back, I expected to get to have a spa day and I didn't get to have one. And so now I feel resentment. And so now we're aware of our emotions and we're aware of what's happening. And instead of defaulting to those old patterns, we're able to say, okay, I got it. I get it. I'm feeling resentment because I have an unmet expectation and maybe I'm a little envious of my spouse's TDY to Hawaii. I wish I could go TDY to Hawaii and get away from the kids for a week. What do I need to communicate? What need of mine isn't being met right now? How can I approach this with my spouse in a calm and rational manner and express what I'm feeling without going on the attack. And this has the ability to totally shift the dynamics of our relationships. When we're able to communicate more effectively because we have the words to put to our experience. We're able to communicate to that other person, Hey, I noticed that I'm feeling a little resentful lately after your TDY. I, I put a lot of effort into taking care of the kids and holding down the fort at home. And, and I noticed that you never really said thank you. And I was hoping that you would treat me to a spa day to kind of recharge my batteries. And when that didn't happen, I noticed that I started feeling resentful and angry toward you. And I don't want to feel that way. So I was hoping we could have an open conversation about what I'm feeling right now so that I can start to feel better and I don't feel so bitter towards you anymore. That's huge when we're able to have conversations like that. When we're, in, when we're able to bring others into our emotional experience without triggering or attacking them, putting them on the defensive. This style of communication is referred to as nonviolent communication or NVC. There are lots of resources online if you're curious about learning more about NVC. So this is the first skill building 
uh, activity or invitation that I'm going to give you in this podcast episode. So nonviolent communication is a methodology or technique that you can use to have a conversation with another person around a need of yours that's not being met or a boundary of yours that has been violated but doing it in a way that is non-triggering for the other person and prevents them, theoretically, from going on the defensive. There's four parts to the NVC process. So the first, the first step out of four is to share your observation. State what happened, what you observed, just the facts without any added feelings, emotions, or judgment involved. If you can explain what happened objectively, that is the first step in the NVC process. So you can start the statement with, I noticed or I observed this thing that happened. And then part two is stating how this event or this series of events made you feel when the thing happened. Again, without judging the other person, blaming them, or saying, you, you did this, you made me feel, but more, I felt blank, I felt frustrated, I felt resentful, I noticed that I felt sad or disappointed when this thing happened. Now, we're not assuming anything about the other person's intentions, we are simply stating our own emotional experience. And this is why emotional awareness is so important because it gives us data and it gives us information to include in this type of communication style. So number three of this four-part process is to state the need or value that you personally have that is somehow not being met or somehow violated that is causing those feelings to arise. So I feel frustrated because I feel like there is a, I don't feel supported. My need for support isn't being met. Or I feel disappointed because I had this expectation going into this weekend. I feel angry because my need for fairness or a sharing of responsibilities isn't feeling met. And then part four is making a request or offering a solution that could be helpful in these situations in the future. Would you be willing to XYZ? Would you consider having a conversation about ABC? Would you be willing to fill in the blank? Making a request instead of saying, you should, you need to, you have to. Again, putting them on the defensive and possibly making them feel like they're being attacked. So this is a softer skill of communication. It is, again, like I mentioned before, meant to approach a difficult subject, approach a violated boundary or an unmet need in a way that theoretically does not start an argument or a fight, but invites a conversation without judging, without guilting, without shaming, without threats, but instead sharing our own personal experiences, sharing with the other person how we're feeling, and then making a request that will help better meet our need or align with our value. So that's part one of our skill building. This is how we can start building our emotional IQ and our 
emotional intelligence in our relationships with others. And that emotional awareness plays into all of this. The other skill that I want to talk about is active listening. Seems pretty simple, pretty straightforward, and yet there is a lot of people who struggle with this idea of active listening. Active listening is a communication skill that involves fully focusing, understanding, and responding to a speaker. So oftentimes, we listen to respond rather than to understand. I know I'm guilty of this. When I'm talking with someone, I am half listening to them, but half preparing my next sentence or my response in my head and not really fully connecting and engaging with them. Or maybe I'm distracted with looking at my phone. I'm distracted thinking about something else. I'm thinking about something that I'm anxious about or um, I'm stressed over. But when we practice active listening, that allows us to be fully present and engaged with the person that we're talking to. And as a result, the person on the other end of the conversation will feel heard and valued. So there's a couple things that you can practice. One is self-awareness. Self-awareness of recognizing what am I feeling in response to what they're telling me? Am I preparing to respond or am I listening to understand? Am I distracted? Am I feeling defensive in this conversation? Being aware of your emotional response to the other person will help with emotional regulation so that you can be more, come back to the conversation, be more present, and not let those potential triggers distract you and potentially initiate some sort of emotional reaction or judgment. So giving your full attention to the other person and eliminating any distractions as much as possible. So turn towards the other person with your body, maybe lean in a little bit to the conversation, mirror some of their body language, make eye contact, and show them that you're listening, either through nodding or through affirmation in like a yes, or I understand, or uh-huh. And then uh, you can also practice active listening through engaging in the conversation and providing feedback. You can reflect their statements back to them through summarization or asking clarifying questions. Again, this can take some emotional intelligence to make sure that you are not getting emotionally tied into the conversation, but you are able to see it objectively and provide helpful feedback. Finally, the last element of active listening is deferring judgment. We need to withhold judgment and notice our tendency to trend towards judgment in a conversation, whether that's judgment of the situation, judgment of the other person, judgment of their actions. Notice in those moments if you are feeling that sense of judgment or the, the tendency or temptation to start assigning meaning and judgment to what happened or their experience. Notice any biases you might have. Notice any stories coming up or any beliefs that may affect your ability to fully and objectively listen to the other person. And in order to do all these things, 
emotional intelligence and self-awareness are the foundational building blocks. So it's really important to build the foundation first, to not skip to these higher level skills, but to build those skills first of emotional awareness, self-awareness, and then we can start to apply those fundamental concepts to the higher level emotional intelligence practices of active listening, nonviolent communication. There's several others that we'll talk about in a future podcast, such as emotional regulation, but we'll save those for another time. So in summary, emotional awareness and emotional health, what we talked about last week, are foundational building blocks to emotional intelligence. Being able to notice, name, and recognize our own emotions, and then being able to notice, recognize, and be aware of the emotions of others, and meeting them in a way that is non-triggering, non-judgmental, that is present, that is mindful, and that also shows empathy and caring and compassion, that can be the potential end result of us working on our own emotional awareness, emotional intelligence, and emotional health. I hope this episode was helpful to you. We'll dig a little bit deeper next week when I'll be talking more about emotional intelligence with special guest Dr. Renee Skelton. I'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening this week. To view the complete show notes, you can visit www.leadingwithheartpodcast.com. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right away as I release them. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love to ask you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Reviews are one of the major ways that Apple and Spotify rank their podcasts. So even though it only takes a few seconds, it really does make a difference. And it helps me reach other amazing leaders like you. Thank you again for joining me, Christina Madison, on this episode of Leading with Heart. I'll see you next time.